What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan and Damo back on the show. And surprise, because we haven't recorded in what's been over a month now. The last time we recorded was December 5th. And we lost to the Los Angeles Lakers. And we were in the middle of that awful losing streak. Uh, since then, the Wizards did manage to get themselves into a little bit of a winning streak. But have now lost two in a row, coming off a loss to the... Oklahoma City Thunder last night, in which they lost by how much? What was it? 17, 18 points? Something like that? Yeah, basically 20. And my mom never talks to me about basketball. And I woke up and I saw a text from her at whatever time it was. And she was like, man, the Wizards suck. And I was like, yeah, it's bad when I get family members that text me telling me that the Wizards suck. My uncle does it all the time. my it's rare when my stepdad or my mom do it so when they do text me then you know that something bad has happened um and this has been you know kind of the the up and down season that i think was kind of expected you know the the top of the roster is sort of injury prone and you have inconsistencies within the bench and the young guys i mean this is the kind of season that we were going to have and we said this at the beginning of the season you know uh what we're going to have win streaks where we win five, six, seven, and we're going to have losing streaks that are the same, and sometimes in this season's case, worse. And that's just kind of how it's going to be. They're just a... They're just a junk on the high team. I just don't... I don't don't get it. Especially on the road. Like, their their road play is just just horrible. They're one of the worst road teams in the NBA. Um, You know, you start the season 10-7, and then you lose... You go 1-13... and And then you go and you win six of seven, and now you've lost two in a row. So they're just this like, you know, it's just a roller coaster ride with them. And um, you know, I think part of it is is you know the top of their roster being injury prone, mainly Beal, uh, and then some of their key reserve guys. But then I just think you know your 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 others or your role players, they kind of your consistency kind of goes as they go, you know, like on the road, you need those guys to kind of be steady and they just have, they're just so up and down. Like at home, they play great on the road. They're like all bricks. (laughs) It's just like, you know, you can't count on them day in, day out to be uh, consistent level players. And then, and, and I'm not saying go out and drop 20, you know, but just be if you're a 10 point per game guy, be that guy, whether you're at home or on the road. Right. Like, don't be 15 points a game at home and then five points a game on the road, because I can't count on that. So it's it's just I don't know. I don't know what they do. Uh, they're, they're You know, they're, they're they're capped out. They don't really have no pick flexibility. So. It's going to be a, be a long roller coaster ride this year again. Yeah, I think that with the bench, and I know that we came into the season saying that we should ideally have a better bench, but I think that large in part throughout his career, I mean, even when we were uh, witnessing rookie and second year Rui, I mean, he large in part is an inconsistent player, at least from an offensive standpoint. Defensively, I mean, he was. Now, he had some good matchups, like for the the bigger forwards who couldn't really handle the ball. But um, overall, he's just a really inconsistent player. And then I think what we're witnessing with Denny and Gafford right now is they're just still – they're really young players. And so when you're still 
at a young age like that, you're going to have inconsistent play by default. And we're asking them to be like the top two or three guys uh, off the bench in our rotation, which is expected for where they were drafted. But I still think along the way, you're going to have some inconsistency with their game. And so you mix that inconsistency with the inconsistency of being available for uh, a guy like Beal. And I know KP has been relatively healthy, but he's missed some time. Um, Monte Morris has missed some time and I'm not going to throw around the injury excuse because I don't buy that. That's the only reason that the team hasn't been successful, but it is hard to build consistency when you have a team that tries to rely on its young players to, to play key roles. And then also the, the veterans at the top of the team can't stay healthy on a consistent basis. So I think that's, uh, it's not an excuse. Um, but I'm also it's just not like, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. a reason, you know. It's it's the fact of the matter, and I think I think it's a reflection on you know how the team is built because if you just look at this roster, like you just break it down skill wise for each player, you know, who are your creators? Like it's Beal, it's Kuzma. That's really it. So if Beal was going to be out, all that falls on Kuzma. And you kind of have a bunch of players that are kind of dependent, you know, like you're not asking, you can't have, you can't expect Rui and Denny and Kispert or DeLon, Monte, those guys aren't going out and, and creating looks and breaking the defense down, shifting the defense. Like it's Bill and Kuzma. That's it. So if those guys are off or those guys are hurt, now you got guys trying to do stuff that they're just not capable of doing. And I just think that's a reflection of how the roster is built. You don't have a lot of ball handlers, creators. So, you know, you depend on the two you have to be available and to be efficient on a night in, night out basis. And if you're not going to get that now, you know, we, we got to, <laughs> you know, we get what we get, you know. And I know that the it's good to have young players to develop because in the long term, that does help your team with cap flexibility when trying to build a contender. But this is why I've always, at least what this team has currently constructed, is why I'm going to lean a little bit more toward the, the veterans if they want to compete. Now, everyone knows my stance. I want to rebuild. I want all the picks. But if, if they're trying to build a contender like they say they are, then I'm okay with trading Denny, Rui, Gafford for veteran wings who they may or may not end up being better than in the long term, but they'll help us more now. Um, again, like we talked about with the inconsistencies, guys being out of the lineup. Well, I'll tell you the one thing that's not going to keep the team afloat is inconsistent young role players. Uh, that's not going to be the thing that keeps the, the team going when guys like Beal and Porzingis miss time because you need guys that have been in those situations before uh, been in those situations before and that have fine-tuned games where you know what you're getting out of them each and every night. And everyone is going to have a bad game every once in a while, but again, like specifically with the, the guys off the bench on the on their rookie contracts, I know uh, this is Gafford's last year on his rookie contract and then he has another year. But those are still really young guys, and I think it's unrealistic to rely on them and expect them to carry the team, which is what I feel like I've been saying 
for a while. And, and I mean, you and I both, I mean, people know where we stand on Denny. We're not the biggest fans. We don't think he's the worst, but we certainly don't think he's this big hotshot that a lot of Wizards Twitter seems to think that he is. And they think that he's ready for all this stuff. And the reality is, is that he's just not. And I feel like those fans sometimes that it's a little contradicting because they'll say, oh, well, he's not doing this and that because um, of his age and he doesn't have a lot of experience. And I'm like, that's what we're trying to say. Like, we're trying to tell you that that's why he's he's not good right now. Because he's he's not ready. Yeah, he's got, it's a reason why he has the training wheels on. Like, and it's not because Bradley Beal is here, because even in the games when Bradley Beal doesn't play, right, it's not like he steps up and becomes this 20, 28 and 8 guy. Like, no, he's he's pretty much the same guy, whether Beal plays or not, no matter what the, the goals are for the team, like, He's not he's not a guy that's going to rise to the occasion and then just show this expansive game like he just doesn't have it on an NBA level. And I don't care how many Euro basket highlights you show me, you know, that's not the NBA. I don't care how many Arbor highlights you show me. It's not the NBA. Right. Like. So it, it is what it is, man. Like, and I just think. You know, just like I said, the, the way this team is built, like guys are kind of like specialists. Denny, your defender, don't really ask him to do a lot on offense unless it's more of like a making reads, playmaking type. You know, Kispert, shooter, not a defender. Rui, score, not much else. Gafford, rim runner, rim runner, not much else, right? These are guys that you 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 kind of, they play their role, but when you ask them to do more than that, you're going to run into problems. And with Bill's availability in question, right? You're gonna. You got guys in and out the lineup. Guys are getting overextended. You're you're seeing the same thing with the Warriors, who are a championship mob. Uh, Steph Curry, one of the greatest ever. Draymond, Clay, one of the greatest trios ever. And they made a calculation this year to elevate the young guys as the majority of their bench. Jordan Poole, uh, Moody, Kaminga, Wiseman, and they've fallen flat on their face. <laughs> you know, they need the 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 uh uh Gary Payton the second, Otto Porter. Uh those guys were key parts of their rotation last year to win that title. And you've replaced them with young guys thinking they would be ready, and they're not. And so now the Warriors are looking at a situation where they might be in the play in or out of it altogether now that Steph is hurt. So you know, what do you do? Yeah. And it's, and going back to the young players for a second, because we all can agree that they're, they're fine to okay, decent, whatever term you want to use. I wouldn't use the term good, but they're fine. Where the frustration comes out uh, goes back to where they were drafted. Now I think it's hard to be frustrated with Kispert strictly because he was drafted after the lottery and we knew that he was going to be this one-dimensional player. But the idea is when, when you're drafting guys top 10, and this goes to um, Rui, Denny, and Johnny Davis, and it, it is never meant as a thing to, like, tear them down as individuals. Like, it, it's this, the frustration comes in with the expectation that you're eventually going to perform like a top 10 pick. And while I know that, like I just mentioned, Gafford and Denny and, and Johnny are certainly still young, but by now we would know where they are 
relative to being in their rookie contract, we would know if they were going to be like good or not. And and it's not to say that they, they can't be like good players down the line. Again, I think right now, like if you could get on a, a Nick Batum, uh, Boris Diallo, I, I think that's realistic for Denny. And of course he's a, a better defender, I think. And I don't think he'll ever be the shooter that Batum is, but that type of role where you're consistently in the league for a while because you do one or two things well enough to, to be on a roster. Is that ever a star player? And eh, is that ever an all-star player? No. Or anything more than that? No, but he can still be an okay player. Uh, same thing with Gafford. I think Gafford's in that same boat and they both still have a lot of learning and, and growing to do Gafford, especially with his body. Cause right now, I mean, he's still lightweight. Um, and with Rui, I mean, let's be real. Rui was a little bit older when he was drafted. Hasn't gotten that much better since he was drafted. I think Rui kind of is what he is at this point. And I hate saying that about the guy. And I know he's had a a couple or a few good games recently, if I remember correctly, but that's not a guy that I am really eager to pay a whole lot of money to at this point, uh, given his age. It's just something that I'm just not interested in. Yeah, it's tough because they're they're all guys that you look at and you squint and you say, man, you know, when they're I wonder what they're gonna look like when they're age twenty seven, age twenty eight, right? <clears throat> but but by the time that comes around, it, your window you're in now or what you're trying to do around Beal, it's it's, it's long gone. It's long gone. So so what they are now is what you have to move accordingly to, right? Like. What they are right now, between now and I would say maybe the next two years of this Beal Supermax, you have to judge them on that. And and if you don't think they're going to take some significant leap, right, to become consistent players, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying be stars. I'm just saying be <clears throat> consistent. Like, every night, I'm going to get this from this guy. Um, whether it's on the road, whether it's at home, but you're going to be consistently consistent. If you're not going to be that, then I think you if you're trying to win now, you got to go and make a move to go get a vet that, you right. know, you can count on. Um, well, you know, so yeah. I, I understood the calculus in a, OK, let me go get Jay Crowder. Right. For Rui. Now, obviously, on talent, Rui is a much more talented player than than Jay Crowder. Right. But if you look at it from a standpoint of. What a, the skill sets required to be impactful on a playoff team? Jay Crowder is the more better fit because right. he can shoot the three, he's tough nosed, and he plays defense. Right, and the Suns that's what you that. want from your role players. And the Suns know that, and that's why they didn't make the deal. And even if Jay Crowder is not going to suit up for them. They know the type of value that he can have on a team that's looking to make a deep run in the playoffs, and that goes for either conference. Of course, you think ideally they'd like to ship him to the East, which I think works in our favor a little bit. But again, like those types of key players that have that attitude and are able to make threes on a consistent basis can give you a little bit of defense, a little bit of flexibility on the wing. Like th- Those are guys that are going to be valuable at the deadline, especially because they're not going to cost you anything on your books going forward. I mean, Jay Crowder's deal right now is what, like 10 million or something, 10, 11 mil. That's not bad at all. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, you're, you're in the... go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, I was going to say we can move on and talk about some other guys. But before we move on, I just wanted to, if you had anything you wanted to add. Yeah, man, I, I just, I, I just think this, uh, you know, we, we know they're not, they're not going to rebuild. Like, again, I keep saying Tommy just three months ago was trying to get Donovan Mitchell, right? I don't think that that mindset has changed. I don't think those marching orders from the owner have changed. Um, especially when you look and there's so much parity in the East and there's still only five games out of a top six slot <laughs> as but bad as they've kind been. Of there. there is kind of yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But it's like they're looking at, you know, I don't even know. Who's the six seed right now? The, the Knicks, the Pacers? They're looking um, at them and saying, man, we can beat the Pacers. Well, you know, they're looking at it saying, if we're healthy, we can beat the Pacers. So why not go for it? Well, they, yeah, yeah. again, uh, you know how I feel about that type of mentality. Yeah, yeah. But, we, we, um, obviously, we disagree with that logic, but I, I just don't, I don't see them doing anything rebuild-wise. So this, this, in, this trade deadline is going to be interesting to see what, what direction they go as far as who they add. So right now they're five games out of seventh, which is Indiana. Indiana is seven. Who's six? The Knicks? Yep, and they're the same. It's they're they're five and a half back, both of them. Right. So is they they're tied for the six seed. So right. yeah, they're looking at the Knicks and the Pacers and saying, We're just as good as them, if not better. So what yeah. what's the move we gotta make this trade deadline to solidify that? Well, let's talk about it. Uh, there's a few guys that have been thrown around. And now, look, I, I think that it's worth noting that the, the Wizards and Suns, it appears that there was some offer on the table that was declined. Now, now on the face of it, um, if I was a team that had Jay Crowder and someone offered me Rui Hachimura for, for him, I don't know how I would feel about that. And... I don't know what all was included in the deal because it could be different. Because if they were like, well, we'll give you uh, – if it was like, well, we'll give you Rui and Daniel Gafford for Jay Crowder. Well, then that's different, but then that's also an overpay on, on the Wizards' part. But if it's just Rui for Jay Crowder, like, I, they would have to add some other salary. I don't know what it would be exactly. Um, but I would probably say no to that too. It's because if I'm the Suns, I don't want to get a player back that I'm going to have to pay a shit ton of money to, especially after just paying DeAndre Ayton a shit ton of money, which if I had to guess, James Jones probably did not want to do. So obvious. They didn't want to pay Ayton. That was obvious. And it's already going to be a predicament right now with Cam Johnson because who knows what they're going to do with him. They're probably going to have to pay him some money too, and he's coming uh, off an injury. I don't know if you'd be able to sign and trade him because I don't know who's going to take a one-dimensional player like that who's going to take up a decent amount of salary gap. I mean, look what Duncan Robinson's done to the Heat's payroll. It's not good. And they already found a replacement in Max Struess who's an all-around better player. So yeah. I don't – the Suns are going to be forced into paying him. So they're not going to pay two power forwards, especially like the same draft class and everything. They're probably both going to be making around the same type of money. Maybe Cam Johnson gets paid a little bit more. But – you know, I could see why the Suns didn't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, it, they're, they're, they're a cap team. They're, they're paying out max salaries to Chris Paul, Booker, Aiton, Bridges. You know, there's only been so much money to go around. So it, it, it makes sense. You wouldn't take a guy 
in the last year of his deal that you got to resign. Um, that's going to be looking for a payday. I don't think Rui is going to command a lot of money, but it's going to be more money than what the Suns have to give. So it just it just wouldn't make sense for them to do that. Um, so they'll they'll probably look to get somebody that's under contract already. So the money that they're sending out, that player be you know signed you know through the rest of you know this run that they're trying to trying to capitalize on. It looks like Masai is realizing that the Raptors are not going to be that competitive. And there was an article that came out um, basically saying that there were guys available. And I know that OG Ananobi is an obvious trade candidate for different reasons. But did you read that article? Who else were they saying was available? Yeah, so, so Fred Van Vliet and, and Gary – well, Gary Trent Jr. has been available for a while. Uh, yeah. But I would say out of the starting five, he's probably – Easily the worst one has the lowest value. So, um, and, it, and from a Wizards perspective, he wouldn't really. I don't see where he would help here. Um, so then you look at Fred VanVleet. Um, I don't know if you've seen his latest his interview on uh, JJ Reddick's pod, but he kind of gave some insight on why he felt like he was struggling this year. Uh, you know, so that to me looks like an obvious buy low type player at a position of need. He was an all-star last year, I believe. Um, this year, he's having one of his worst shooting seasons of his career. Could that be a guy you go and, you know, you put some guys on the table for, you know? Uh, they need a big. Maybe you send them Gafford and one of the other young guys in a pick or, you know, you know, salary. Obviously, you have to send out salary too, so Barton will have to be in that, but is that something they would do um, to get a legitimate starting point guard in here that can shoot the ball and actually drive past the free throw line? Uh, I don't know, but it would be interesting. Um, OG, I don't even think they had the assets to pull off at all. Um, Masai would just, I mean, he would take everything. And that's the, the crazy thing is because, like, if, being the Wizards, even though we have a point guard issue, I think I'd still much rather have OG Ananobi. Like, I'd rather put a package together for for him than to get Fred VanVleet. So I wonder if that's kind of the perception around the league, too. Yeah, but it's going to cost you significantly more. And, and is OG worth that price difference? Because to me, just my eval on OG, I think he's a nice role player. Uh, probably a fourth option, fourth starter, really four, good fourth starter, defender. Not a guy I want trying to be a key offensive creator or, or score, right? So, like, sure. I'm not going to give up three first-round picks for that. Like, That's I'm just not. Loss. They're not getting that. If they get that, the GM, whoever does that deal, should be fired. But, but when you look at what Rudy Gobert got, the, the, how? But, I mean, if I'm a side, I'm asking for it. He's a seven-foot defensive player. And by the way, that's still a bad deal. Like, I know that they, they say that big deals like that set the market. And I get that to an extent. But, like, come on. Any smart GM is not giving more than two first-round picks for OG. And personally, I wouldn't even give two. I would give you one. And I would let the team that wants to give two or three be a fool. Yeah, I wouldn't even give two. Like, I'm giving you salary filler, so a vet, a I young player, you and Gafford. one first. I would be okay with giving them Denny and Gafford personally, and one first. That's okay by me. 
I'm I'm fine with that. For, for OG, yes, right. Yes, right. But that's it. I'm not giving you two firsts, two three firsts. Yeah, young player plus two first. Like, it's no way in hell. Not for a fourth option? No, man. Yeah. No, no I'm not doing that. Like, I, I view OG in the same vein that I view, like, Marcus Smart. Like, they're they're nice, solid, sure. good players. They could content. They can be on all defensive teams. Um, they're starters, obviously. But they're like your fourth starter. They're not they're not guys that are that are you know, you you build around or core players. I'm not giving you multiple first round picks for that type of player. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no shot of that. Uh, but I would say right now, <clears throat> if they were to to try and make a win now move, and we assume that that's the direction that they're going to go in, because they can't do nothing, um, and they're going to do something. I feel like it's tradition, even if it's something small. That the Wizards always do something at the deadline. So I think that that's. Something where if you like the, the roster movement and you like the trade deadline for, for the Wizards, they're going to do something. Um, the, the thing is, and I'm kind of happy about it, is they really don't have the assets to act out of desperation at this deadline. I mean, it would have to be like if they traded Denny, Will Barton, and Daniel Gafford to Evan Fournier and, and like no pick. Well, then that would be embarrassing. Or, or like if they traded uh, – Denny, Rui, and Will Barton for like Malcolm Brogdon or something like that. Okay, then then that would get embarrassing. But really, realistically, there isn't a way they can overpay for someone this trade deadline strictly because they don't have the draft picks to do so. It's true. You can't you can't overpay on draft picks if you don't have the draft picks to give. That is very very true. Like I, I mean, I feel like any any trade that that they're doing this year to bring back a quality player. It's going to start with Will Barton as the salary filler, and then oh, you're sure. looking at, then you're looking at one or two of the young guys out of Gafford, Kispert, Denny, Rui, right. um, and I think all of those guys, well, except for Gafford, they all make at least four or five million annually. So, right. you know, they can go and they can go out and get a, a, a twenty-some million dollar player back in here at this deadline. I think that's right around where. Fred Van Viet's salary is. I think he's making like 22 mil this season. Yeah. Um, something like that. How many that. years so, does he have left? Does he have like one or two left? I didn't think he was expiring though. No, he's not. He's. I don't think he's expiring. Uh, let's see. Uh, what contract is he on right now? Oh, no. So he... He has a player option next year. So uh, I feel like he would opt into that coming off a career worst year. And I haven't heard that there. So it's 21 mil this year, 22 mil next year. So I would decline that because the Wizards are going to be forced if they give up something to trade for him, then they're going to be forced into keeping him essentially. And given that he has an all-star appearance on his resume, right? He's won a championship. They're going to have to pay him. But what is the market? Is he going to get more than $22 million annually on the market right now? Coming off a career worst year? Let's see. Boston still needs a point guard. Uh, I don't know. Marcus Martin. Chicago. Uh, uh, I think they'd rather ride it with Lonzo. 
I that would be a mistake. This is with his contract. They just paid him. The Lakers could be looking for a point guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's teams out there. But do they? Have, do the Lakers have twenty, twenty five, thirty million annually to give out? I'm sure they could find a way to make money work. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, it might be some options out there, but I just don't. I don't know that there are going to be a lot of options for him coming off of a bad year. And then he's, you know, he's a six foot point guard. It's not like he, you know, he a six foot five guy. Um, and he's yeah, never really, he's never really been a like hyper efficient guy because he's just short and he's bad at the rim. So he's got to rely on that three ball. Well, the, all this talk now is another reason why then I would probably not trade for him. Yeah, but it, it it was you know it's one of those things where you probably wouldn't trade for KP either. But it's a it's a buy low with the idea that hey, if we get him in our program, we can rehab him, get him healthy, and then maybe he has a Jalen Brunson like resurgence. I mean, what is so? What is buy low in this case for Fred VanVleet? Because if we're talking buy low, then it means we're not shipping out any first round picks, at least. I wouldn't, and and I wouldn't even give Denny and Gaffer. Like it would literally be Will Barton, and then you may pick one of the young guys, and that's where I would leave it. I think it would be something like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Buy low, meaning no picks involved. And I guess if they wanted uh, Johnny Davis, fine, whatever. You can have Johnny. I don't yeah, please. <laughs> that's that's uh, yeah. Uh, I don't even think you can get a second round pick for him right now. But but. Uh, yeah, I hmm. see for me buy low for a former All Star means like one pick, and it's like highly protected. So like a like a top, so like a lottery protected or or a top twenty protected pick, plus one of the young guys, and then salary filler. That that's a buy low for me for a guy that last year was a was an All Star. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm told, trying to hold it to the standard of the Porzingis deal because, again, like everyone knows, like we literally gave up garbage and we got a second round pick to take on the guy, and he's been our best player since he's been here, which uh, is a low bar. But he's still been damn good. He Porzingis has been. I mean, he's, he's been really, really good. A, a top four being in the in the East this year, like no question about it. Um, but yeah, I. I that that to me for Fred Van Bleet would be a buy low because you're you're sending out Will Barton who's getting DMPs. You don't want you know he's not gonna be on the team beyond this year. So really no. all you're sending out is a protected first and then one of the young guys. For Fred Van Vliet, I, I think I would do that. If it's protected, yeah. If it's unprotected, then I wouldn't. And and there's another way we can get draft picks too. Like we can um take on Evan Fournier. And you know what though, the the thing about that, because we could probably make, well, actually, I don't know if we could, because if we were sending Barton for the, um, for Fred Van Bleet, then it's like, who do we have to send up? I mean, it would have to be Kuzma, and I don't want to do that. Right. right. But they could try and work out another way to, to get draft picks back, I'm sure. Um, but the key is, like, Will Barton. So it's like, do you put Will Barton in salary filler? Um, as salary filler to help facilitate a, uh, a player with a higher salary, or do you use Will Barton as salary filler to 
take back a contract, but then you also get a draft pick. So to me, he's the key with whatever the Wizards decide to do. And really, there's only two directions. It's would you rather have a draft pick or would you rather have a, a more high-performing player like the tier of a Fred VanVleet? I mean, to me, that's what it comes down to. It's either going to be one of those two options. Yeah. I just don't – I don't see like uh, – you know, I don't see them getting – Getting a, a, you know, a top five point guard like a sh- SGA, like I, I just don't see that in the cars. It, you know, unless unless Tommy pulled off some type of miracle, like I, I just don't see that. Like I think, I think it's gonna be like a Mike Conley, a Fred Van Viet, maybe a Markel Fultz, or maybe they swing back to like a Colin Sexton again. Um, because I know Tommy was trying to get him at one point, so. Maybe you swing back on that, and maybe that price is lower than it would be for Fred VanVleet. Well, Tommy also wants Damian Lillard, so <laughs> yeah, that's just not it's just not happening. Like, I just it's just not going. You're not getting that caliber of player with no picks. And it's like I'm, I'm telling you, like, and I know we're we're not going to talk about trading Beal a whole lot unless something comes up between now and the deadline. But if there was a package right now. I would love the the Blazers package if we were to move on from Beal. Give me Shaden Sharp. Give me some draft picks. I'll take some salary filler. Anthony Simons, you know, and we're good. I mean, I think that's all day, all day long, bro. All day long, but Beal was gonna nix that. He not he not raising his kids in Portland, man. To play with Dame though, to man, I don't know. I think I think he would if Dame talked to him long enough. Like Maybe Dan will have to really have a conversation with him about Portland, but uh, I ain't seeing it, man. I mean, and then what if Grant was like, nah, yeah, it's dope up here. Like, he's like, yeah, come out here and play. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think given that Grant's from the area, I could see him, like, trying to be a part of that party that convinces me, like, bro, come to Portland so we can go in a championship. Like, I could see it. And they won it. But I could see it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But but like I said, I I I could see one of those. The two the two names I keep coming back to are are Fred VanVleet and then Colin Sexton. Those are the two because you know like with Tommy, he always kind of goes back. He he'll try a trade, it may not work out, and then time will pass and he'll try to revisit it. That's how the KP thing came about because originally the plan was to add KP to Beal and Russ, but then when Russ asked out to go to LA. That kind of switched stuff up a little bit, and then he ended up revisiting the KP deal, and then I, he probably ended up getting KP for less than what he originally offered him. Here's the thing: if we get Fred VanVleet, are we as a fan base going to continue to complain about the size if we get him? Because I remember everyone's thing with Donovan Mitchell was we were going to be too small, and then Donovan Mitchell just drops fucking seventy, however many, what was it, seventy-one points. That's my thing. It's to me, it's not the height. It's how you play. Like you can be six one, six feet, but if you play six five, I'm gonna evaluate on that you on that. Like, how do you play? How do you impact the game? So, you know, because it's guys in this league that's six five or six six, but they don't play that. It's guys on this one. team that's six nine that don't play six nine. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't care about your, your listed height, right? I care about what you do on the floor. So, yeah, if, if I can get a Fred Van Viet 
and you can get him healthy and he's back shooting 40% on eight, nine attempts a game from three, well, you're damn right. Yeah, you could play for me. Fun one that I was just randomly thinking of, and I am by no means advocating for this. It's just a random thought. There's no article or anything. Would you trade Porzingis for both Fred Van Vliet and OG and Anobi? Yes, I would. Sure would. I wouldn't yeah, think twice I about think it. I think I would too. Yeah. No yeah, question. It's just it's just the position versatility and, and the ability to handle the ball and switch, pick and roll. Like, yeah, I would do that so quick. Yeah. And again, I'm not it, – it just came out of nowhere. I was just thinking, like, well, how else could we match salary in a deal to get, like, both of them, for example? And I'm like, oh, the only way we could do it is if we shipped out Porzingis. But, I mean, they would strictly be having to look for – salary dumps like the Raptors would have to commit to a rebuild at that point unless they were they thought of poor Zingas as their savior which I mean after watching him in his time here I mean I don't blame you I mean he's been pretty damn good he's still relatively young uh relative to his competition in the NBA his um position and draft class and all that but yeah I mean I the only way I see Masai doing that is if he looks at KP as like okay yeah we put a center here that can stretch the floor That'll open up spacing for Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. Um, and then we just go put shooters around those guys, uh, you know, to, to fully unlock it, you know, when we get bigger. Because right now they play small. They play Siakam at the five, you know. And then, right. and then, and then, and then you got – yeah, and then you got six-foot Fred Van Vliet, right? So they play small, and I think it's kind of – it's finally starting to kind of catch up to them, you know, as the league is getting – is playing bigger lineups now. So, yeah, if if that's his calculus, maybe. Uh, but I just I don't see him doing that. Not when he got a price tag on OG for two first round picks and then some. Like I just don't see him doing it. What is your gauge on Kuzma at this point? Like we're going into the trade deadline. The the team is where it is. What are you trying to do with him? Uh I think honestly that depends on him. Depends on what he wants. Uh if he wants to take it to free agency and and you know bet on himself and look for whoever's gonna give him the best offer plus opportunity to showcase his game, I think you can't you can't gamble on that with the Wizards because I, I think history has shown the Wizards as a free agent destination is always at a disadvantage. So if he's if he's if Kuzma is telling you no matter what y'all I am going to free agency this summer no matter what right yeah y'all are a contender I could sign with y'all but I'm definitely going to listen to other teams I think you got to trade him well he's saying that because I love Kuz but yeah you you just the Wizards are you got they got to operate as if they are always at a disadvantage when it comes to retaining talent or acquiring talent yes until you have an organizational shift where you suddenly become this attractive team that um other league executives and players around the league can respect and they're just not that right now um I would say that if he wants the most money, then we're the team that he would stay with because we have his bird rights, which I was confused on before because I didn't think that we did. But apparently we do. Um, So we are able to spend more money 
then uh, we're, we're able to offer him more of a contract than uh, external teams would be able to in free agency. Now, is there a big difference between signing 28 million here and 23, 24 in Miami? You know, I mean, I, I may take the Miami offer, you know, just for all of his marketing. And I mean, the money really isn't that far off. I mean, I think it just really depends on what the wizards are willing to pay him. And I know that we still have a lot more of the season left to go. We'll see if they make the playoff. I I would say this, that off rip, if we don't make the playoffs or at all, and and I don't mean just the play in, but if we don't make the playoffs, then he's gone. I would say. And it's like, okay. But then when you think about it, as far as, you know, allocation of resources, now, okay, you're going to pay Kuzma, Beal, KP a combined, you know, 120 annually. Now that means your young guys really got to step up and really got to be consistent. Now that means Johnny Davis in year two got to make a serious leap from G League player to top top nine, top eight rotation player, right? Well, again, like, I, I, this is going to go – because if, they, if they're going to pay Kuzma – then to me, they're going to make a move at this deadline to act as such, to where they'll trade the young guys and try and get a veteran. To me, whatever decision they try and go, if they take on a bad contract with a draft pick, then maybe that signals that, okay, maybe we don't really believe in this core long-term. If they decide to... Uh, go for a big piece and that says okay they're trying to build on what they already have so maybe they're willing to bite the bullet and sign Kuzma to the money if it means trying to get a top four top five seed in the east yeah and I I can't I can't speak on the Kuz situation without bringing up Rui because his play can dictate what direction they go because if Rui the, the the twenty one point per game guy we saw like his first six games back from from the the uh, the injury uh, the ankle injury if he's that guy consistently then the the you're not as pressed to sign Kuzma to a hundred plus million dollar contract now you're like okay how can I allocate that money to other holes on this roster namely point guard. Right. So then you go out and you can make a, a, a you could put all your chips into getting a quality point guard here, knowing that, hey, if I don't keep root coups, I can keep Rui and we, we won't miss that much of a beat. I just he's too inconsistent of a player for me to, to put any stock in at this point, Rui. And, and I like him. Like, again, he seems like a, a good dude and, and he's a damn good basketball player, again, especially for. His background, not really playing a whole lot of basketball in his youth. I mean, he's extremely good for um, – I just wish he was a couple or a few years younger, you know. It's, um, I guess, maybe a year or two since he was drafted as a junior. You can't really say three. But it's at where he's at in his age curve. And I guess maybe that – in our favor when it comes time to negotiating because it's like, okay, Rui, if you don't want to take this money we give you, well, go see where else you get it then. I don't think anyone right now is going to be willing to to pay a, a big procurative contract to uh, a 6'8 power forward who can't really handle the ball or anything like that and 
you know, be a big part of your team. So I think that's where we would have the advantage when negotiating with Rui as right now, I feel like we just have no edge in a negotiation with Kyle Kuzma, like all the, the eggs. Oh yeah. Like, he has all of the leverage, all of it. And rightfully so, rightfully so he's, he's earned that. He's put himself in position to, to have that now, you know, the same way Bill did, right? Like they have skill sets that other teams want. They're playing for a team that notoriously uh, struggles to find talent. <laughs> so you got to overpay to keep the one, the talent you do find. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you're like, oh, well, Kuzma, it's okay. You can go. We got another Kuzma waiting right here, right to take your spot. Like they don't, yeah. they don't have that type of farming system here. So it is what it is. And the the one thing I will say is player type. Like, if all things were even, I would much rather keep Kuzma than I would Rui. Uh, just because I, I like the playmaking aspect. I like that he can do a little bit more off the bounce. He truly can switch either the three or the four. I love the leadership. I like his presence. Um, and that's also part of what you have to pay big money for for, for Kuzma. And I think it's hard sometimes – as fans because we want to boil everything down to talent and like we can say like on court basketball wise how much better is is Kuzma than Rui and it's like yeah um I'll say that it's not as big as a gap as you'll see when we talk about leadership and presence and how teams game plan against you and respect amongst other league players and execs and coaches like that—that's what you'd be paying Kuzma the big money for. It's not necessarily just a talent. He's a talented player, um, but but so is Rui. And I think again, it just comes down to what are the Wizards going to try and prioritize? If they're just trying to get bargains, then I think that you trade Kuzma, um, try and get a draft pick or two, and you re-sign Rui, and, and you could sell that to the fan base, right? Like that's not a bad thing. But I think if they're going to continue to try and be a serious franchise that wants to win, I think you have to, you have to be interested in retaining Kuzma for whatever it's going to cost. And I, and I hate saying, like, throw yeah. a blank check at a guy like that. But, again, that's the position that the Wizards put themselves in. Right, right. And, and I think the, the, the way you can kind of gauge Kuz' value versus Rui, right, just across the league, like, okay – we tried to trade them Rui for Crowder. They said no. <laughs> if we if we put Kuzma on the table for Crowder, they would be including a first round pick and probably another asset. Right. So that 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 go to show you right there. Like I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what the the advanced numbers and all of that crap says. Like the league is telling you what their value is, right? So right. you gotta you gotta move accordingly. You gotta move accordingly. I guess for me, like. It's like, okay, if you're paying Kuzma or whatever it takes to keep him, that may mean you may not be able to address your biggest hole in your roster, which is point guard, unless you do it via the draft. So my calculus is, is it, if you're comparing it, is it Kuzma, no point guard, or Rui plus a much better point guard? Which would you rather have? Right. And that's, well, that's why that's why Tommy gets paid millions of dollars a year, right, to make those decisions. <laughs> and well, I'm sure the opinions may change a little bit as we get closer to the deadline. But but you're and and we'll close on this. Um, 
a lot of good trade talk today, which is good. I, I think fans like hearing about that. I don't think fans so much like hearing the results of games and all that and us going to, because it's like, you guys watched it, you know, and everyone rants on Twitter. So I feel like now that we're ramping up in the, in the trade season and you mentioned uh, a key date earlier, uh, January 16th is, is significant for what reason? Yeah, that's when, when every, uh, uh, player becomes trade eligible. Um, even the guys that signed this summer, um, they weren't trade eligible up until, you know, this mid January, uh, deadline. Uh, so that's when I think we see the ramp ups on the rumors of what guys are available, who, you know, who's on the block. So let's close on this. You're Tommy Shepard and you're now in full control of this team, regardless of what you've done with in the past or whatever. How are you personally approaching this trade deadline? What type of player are you trying to get? Are you prioritizing trying to get draft picks back? And again, this is from a realistic standpoint. So so the Wizards are not trading Bradley Beal. We'll just say that. But pretty much anything outside of that, I feel like, is in the realm of possibility. So given that, how are you approaching this deadline? So two things. Uh, They obviously need ball creation. they they gotta have it. Like they just they just don't have enough guys that can do stuff with the basketball that opponents respect. So I'm I'm looking at a Fred Van Vliet. I'm looking at a Colin Sexton. I'm starting there. Uh, what's their pra- asking prices? Um, and then I'm looking to possibly get my first round pick back. Well, not back, but I'm 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 looking to get the. Uh, the flexibility back so that, you know, my pick isn't tied up until 2028. Um, Cause they have their pick if they miss the playoffs, but uh, they don't have the flexibility of, of moving any picks to make a better, you know, make their team better via trade. So right. I'm, I'm calling the Knicks. I'm calling the Raptors. I'm calling the jazz. I'm on the phone with them three teams and I'm trying to make moves. Yeah. And then, Say that fails. I mean, say we can't get any of the major guards that are believed to be on the market. Say you miss out on Sexton and um, and Fred VanVleet. Do you move on to try and get a, a Malcolm Brogdon from Boston, or I mean, what's your what would be Plan B? Uh, plan B at that point for me would mean you're not good enough to make the play in. You're going to be in the lottery. Uh, so, so you would now be like I'm looking at draft picks. Draft pick. Let the let the pick convey. Well, let the go get your draft pick. You're gonna have your draft pick because it's protected for this year. Um, and then for 2024, I believe it will be top. I think it's top ten protected for 2024. I'm not sure how. Well, that do the works. protections I mean, lower? I don't. I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't know if the protections lower or they get higher. Um, I think it goes higher. It goes higher, so it'll, it'll go from lottery protected to what top ten protected. Or I mean, I'm sorry, I think it goes the other way. The other way, so it'll go from lottery protected to maybe what like first top round twenty or protected. something. Top or, twenty yeah. protected. Yeah, yeah, because it, it goes. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Go no, no, I was just gonna say it because the the longer this drags out, the lower that pick has in value. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so the, so yeah, I'm. You know, I'm looking at draft prospects at that point. That's what I was going to say, because eventually it's going to turn into two second-round picks. So um, 
that's why I was like, yeah, it's good. When I meant go up, I meant like go up in number, not like go up in the draft. But anyway, um, so for me personally, as much as it pains me, and I know that the Wizards are not realistically, again, if it were up to me, I'd be like, Brad, I want you to, um, we're going to go at most into this offseason knowing that we're going to trade you. And I want you to be okay with that. If that was agreed upon, then at the deadline, I'd be trying to trade everybody for any sort of draft capital or young, decent player on their rookie contract that you could find. Yeah, no doubt, um, no doubt about it. But I just, yeah, I don't, I don't see Ted stamping that. <laughs> realistically, if you're keeping Beal, then you're keeping KP. And if you're keeping those two, well, then you may as well keep Kuzma since you have his bird rights. So at that point, then I'm trying to trade everyone else to try and bring in another big name, whether that's Fred VanVleet, whether that's OG Ananobi. Um, I don't know who else off the top of my head I would be that interested in acquiring. I would say go and try and get Dorian Finney-Smith, but I don't think that the Mavericks are going to be that interested in moving him, considering he's probably like their second or third best player, depending on how you feel about Christian Wood. So, right. uh, so so let me ask you this because this is this is I feel like we we ask this a lot and every time it's a different answer, right? We know obviously the big three; those are the three best players: Bill, Kuzma, KP. Who would you say has the most trade value on this roster, four through ten? Well, let's see. I'm just naming off players here, so this isn't in any order. Monte Morris, Will Barton. Denny, Rui, Gafford. I mean, to me, it's probably Denny or Gafford. Because Gafford has an extension that isn't terribly expensive. And then Denny still has another year that I could see a team, like, talking themselves into him. Like, yeah, he's just the, the missing defensive piece that, that we needed. Um, here's a, a crazy scenario, too. If the Warriors are going to be bad... Uh, do you think that we could be a team interested in Draymond Green? I guess. I just don't see what, how Draymond Green fits here when you don't have no, any shooters. Like, unless he's bringing Clay and stuff with him. I, I, <laughs> Monte can shoot. Beal's okay. Um, Kuzma's okay. KP. I mean, it makes sense. I'm not seeing it. I just think he his 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 value to them is kind of is twofold. Like he creates the shots, and they're all world shooters. If you remove the all world shooters from him, I think his value dips significantly. So now I would if if the Warriors wanted to add a little bit more depth, like what I do, like. Denny and Gafford for like Wiseman and Kuminga, like let's bring it on. Let's talk about it. But anyway, to answer the original question, I would say Denny or Gafford, and I think, uh, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Denny, and I say that. Oh, that's your that's your final answer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I I get it. I I still I might get killed for this later, but I still think it's Corey Kispert, man. Just yeah, because, I guess you know yeah, playoff know teams like yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like playoff teams want guys that can space the floor. Like you're not gonna come here and get 
you know, uh, 25, 30% usage and get the handle the ball and do all that stupid stuff. Like, no, bro, run your ass to the corner and spot up. Play right. a little bit of defense, cut, screen. Like, and I just feel like Kisper is the tailor-made player for that. So I feel like for a playoff team, he's the guy that I think they would zero in on and would be most willing to give you something for. Yeah, you might actually be right with that. I'll, I'd probably agree with that. I guess it just depends on, like, what type of organization is – and what type of – it really just depends on the makeup of their team. So if they already have a bunch of shooters, like, if you're Golden State, for example – I mean, w- would I take Denny? Yeah. I mean, pretty easily I would. I think that he's a guy that would fit in there. Yeah, like Denny needs to be on a team where everybody else can shoot. <laughs> like, yeah. So the Warriors fit that bill, um, you know, or Portland, somewhere like that, like a team that just has a lot of shooters and he can be like the only non-shooter. And you just plug right. him in there and let him do his defense kind of secondary playmaking stuff. Uh, I mean, but even yeah. Phoenix would be a good fit. Yeah, Phoenix too. Um, but I just think Kispert fits more spots, especially he when has you the know, most trans- like he has the the most translatable skill set as a baseline for a player because he can shoot oh, like yeah. he, he can shoot, he can cut, and and if you and his in between game is okay, he finishes good. I feel like for his the, his makeup of player. I mean, again, that, that's. That's already right there. If you tell any GM that, they're like, ooh, where can I get one of those? Yeah. In every team, any team that trades for him, you know they're going to have a better point guard rotation than we currently have. So he's going to get better looks just off the strength of that. Like, you know, again, like, like, like the Suns even. Like, he's going to be playing with Chris Paul, okay? Chris Paul is going to get Corey Kisper some open shots. Um, yeah. You know, so it, that that's how I think other teams will look at it, and that's why I think still, you know, Kispert to me probably still has the most trade value out of all of our young guys, which is sad to say. Yeah. And as we close this out and we get towards the trade deadline, I'm just tired of them playing this back and forth, like in between, not really picking a direction sort of thing. So – I know that I bitch up and down that I want them to rebuild, and it's just because they don't pick the lane where it's like, okay, we're going to be good. And I realize they don't have enough assets to go and get another all-star caliber player, but what we have to realize as fans is that's their fault. And so my expectation is not going to change for what I think the team needs in order to be successful um, because of that. So... I'm still like, go and get a key contributor. And I'm not even asking for an all-star at this point. Like, again, Fred VanVleet's not going to be an all-star this year. OG Ananobi is never going to be an all-star. But those are the key type of level players that we need one more of those. And then if you can do that, you sign a bench guy or two in free agency to help the bench. And then I think you got something cooking in the East. But until they do that, it's just, it's hard for me to to – take the team seriously. So I want them to be good and I want them to win, but they got to go out this trade deadline and they got to make a money move. And that's where I'll leave it. I totally agree, man. Well, <clears throat> hopefully we'll start recording a little bit more. Um, again, I, I still haven't really watched a lot of <laughs> games this year. Um, I think since we last recorded, I may have peeped at one game for like five minutes or so. And I mean, honestly, that's been it. I haven't watched a whole lot. 
Um, I've, I've turned on a couple of games and seen Denny do some good things, which is encouraging to see. I mean, outside of that, I mean, I can't really remember anything from what I've watched. I think I saw Monte Morris make like an off dribble midi or something like that. Um, but that's pretty much the extent of my investment in the Wizards this year is just that it's not there. And I'm hoping that by the time the trade deadline comes, something happens and I can slowly start to reinvest myself again. And actually, really quick, Domo, do you got time for to go longer? Do you got to go? Oh, what's up? I wanted to ask you about this. What, In hindsight, given how we've seen it play out now, what's your thought on the play-in? I like it, man. You I like mean, it? I'm just I'm, I'm taking my I'm taking my my Wizards fandom off. Just is just a pure basketball purist. Like, I like it. I think it forces teams to try to compete, um, and, and really play for something. You know, even towards the end of the year, when usually teams the last twenty games or so they pack it in. Uh, so yeah, for me as a basketball purist, like I. I prefer it I, I like it like it, it's like because before it was it was always like oh man these teams five through eight they don't matter like they they're just mid right you know if you're not a top four seed if you're not a contender you're not gonna you're not paying attention to those teams but now with this play-in nobody wants to find themselves in that seven to ten and some injuries here and there a, a, a player having a down year here and there all of a sudden, you could have the Warriors in that situation, or you could have the Lakers in that situation, or the Raptors, like quality, proven quality teams that end up in that situation, and they got to fight for their lives. I like seeing that. I'm just like, I hate participation trophies, and I hate whenever like teams, like leagues add teams to the playoffs. Like I saw an article the other day about the NFL trying to add two teams to the playoffs. And I was like, Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, where does it stop? And at least for the NBA, like, cause right now, I mean, before the play in more than half the league made the playoffs as it was. And I thought that that was okay. Um, but now that there's more teams that are allowed to be in the mix, it's just, and I know that, for teams that may be it's lower, not, and they can say more teams making the playoffs. It's more teams with an opportunity to compete for a spot in it. But, but it's I not think like they expanded it from eight teams to ten teams all get in. If they did no, that, I would hate that. It's it's still those are teams that could take relative spots away for like like I think it's unfair to the seventh and eighth seeds. I'm not going to lie. I think it's a little unfair. Um, even if the, the lower seeds, like say the nine and 10 seed would have typically been like a four or a five, but they were injured the whole year. Well, I mean, that's not everyone else's fault. It just wasn't your year. Like let, let reward the team that was healthy and played consistently better all year that had more wins. Like let them get in. I just, but I don't isn't know. Isn't it really no different than like a NFL wild card? There's yeah, no there's different, less right? Teams that make, there's less teams that are already involved in the playoff scenario in the NFL than the NBA. Again, more than half the teams before yeah. in the NBA had already made the playoffs. But then the but then the NFL just expanded. <laughs> so now they letting they letting seven teams in now, right? Yeah, but the ratio is still not the same. Yeah, so it's it's yeah, so it's seven. They're letting seven in out of uh uh how many in a conference? Seven 16. out of 16 in a conference versus the NBA letting in 
eight, eight out, out of 15. fifteen in the conference. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, I, I I hear you on that, but I I like the idea of teams just not being able to pack it in like the last twenty twenty five games of the year, like. You know, I mean, it, my thing is though, if you look at NBA standings in the past, it's not like there are teams that are like fighting in the high 30s and low 40s, and then there's this drop off with like 15, 16 win teams. Like, th- there's always going to be teams that underachieve that are going to be like the the Sacramento Kings or the Wizards, where they're constantly in that like purgatory win, you know, 30 whatever yeah. to, to 40, 41 games. Like there's always going to be teams like that. And I just don't think it's fair that one of those teams could play well for two games and poof, now they're the eight seed. Um, but, but, it that, does. but now you have incentive to actually watch those teams. The, the, you know, cause before how we talked about the league was, or it's only like three, four contenders after that, you're wasting your time really. Like, because if, if that's the case, then you might as well just short, you know, make the league like eight teams and, and you know, do do a, a four four team playoff like 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 college football and just be and just do that. Because, you know, it's what's the point? Like all these teams really playing for second place for real, because we know who the contenders are after like I mean, 30 games. <laughs> I mean, I'd be fine with them decreasing the number of teams that make the playoffs in the NBA. I'm fine with that. I just hate, like, we, they keep trying to do this thing where they keep trying to make it, like, more competitive throughout the league. Like, anyone can make the playoffs. Like, right now, like, there's only 10 teams as it currently stands in the NBA that will not have a shot at the playoffs. So that means two-thirds of the league will, will either be in or will have a shot to make it. To me, that do, it doesn't seem very competitive. Well, look at the parity in the NBA right now. There's no elite super team right now. I think the play-in might have something to do with that because teams, owners, ownerships looked at it and said, hey, man, we can go compete. Like, you know, the super team era, that's over and done with. Now we can go, we can go get a Sabonis. We can go get a Vucevic. We're going to go try to compete. And, you know, it may not be a contender, but I think those those bottom barrel teams going out and trying to make themselves better instead of just tanking is making it so that these upper echelon teams can't just run away with the conference winning 60, 65, 70 games. Yeah, I was I was thinking the other day because I used to have NBA League Pass and I used to watch games left and right. And now, like, I'm just totally disinterested in the NBA. And I've been trying to figure out reasons why. And I think the play-in is there's one no, of them. There's no super, there's no super villain. <laughs> it's no super villain. There's no team you love to hate or love to watch. Like, even the Celtics. The Celtics are, like, the best team, right? They're not, like, some elite all all-world, one of the best teams we've ever seen type roster. You know? They're not the Warriors. They're not, they're not the Bulls. They're not, they're not the Duncan Spurs. They're, they're good. But, you know, the Suns have kind of dropped off. The, the Pelicans are, old, you know, they're kind of up and coming. Like, it's, no, it's no super team. It's no team that you like. You're either getting behind or you're hating them because they added a guy that you wanted. 
You know, and I yeah. think for the holistic product, I think that's what they want. Like owners, the commissioner, that's what they want. They want you to watch all 30 teams. They don't want you to just watch four teams. Yeah. I just, even though, like, I don't know, I feel like the product uh, that's the NBA for a while has just kind of worn on me. And I don't know if it's just because of the crisscross, step back, contested three. Like, I don't know if it's because of the, the lack of physicality. I, I will say that the NBA needs to take a hard look at how they referee games. And I think they need to go back to letting players play a little bit more physically on the defensive end of the floor. Cause I still feel like it's too offensively catered. Like, and I hate when I look now and if a guy makes like eight or nine threes or has like 40 something points or whatever, I'm like, eh, that happens every day. Like stuff like that should be special. Yeah, it's, just less, it's less impressive it's, now. Like you're taking yeah. 23s, dude. Like, yeah, you, yeah, if you can shoot, you're going to get 40. Like it don't, it, the 40 don't feel the same as when like Kobe got 40. Or when right. Jordan got 40. Like, it feels, I don't know, it feels, like, inflated. <laughs> yeah. You know, it feels inflated. But, I mean, it's no knock because, you know, it takes great skill to shoot from 30 feet, right? Sure. But, like, you know, Kevin Durant is one of the guys that's just killing it from the mid-range. And he's, like, the one, one of the few lone guys that's kind of playing in this era how, you know, we kind of saw MJ or Jordan play where they're just owning the mid-range. And when he gets 40, you feel it because it's like it's right. 40 on like 20 buckets, like straight right. buckets in your face. It ain't no, you know, three coming off a screen or just pulling up a step and half side half court before the double team can come. Like he is really like cooking you. It ain't nothing you can do about it. And, yeah. you know, you want to see more of that instead of the, oh, yeah, he got 40. You know, some role random player got 40 because they made you know, eight threes. <laughs> what, um, what random role player some years ago had like 50 points? Who was it? Oh man. Uh, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> I on. know. Maybe uh, look that up, man. I know that Derek Rose had a 50 ball, not when he was in Minnesota, but there's someone else I'm thinking of. Hold up. I'm, I'm about to pull it up now, man. Um, Was it Patrick Beverly? Oh, Lord, that would be. Not Terrence Ross. You're not talking Terrence Ross. No. Uh, it was a smaller guy. I'm pretty sure it was a guard. Maybe it was Derek Rose that I'm thinking of. But I could have sworn think it, it was Derek Rose, else. man. You talking about Corey Brewer's 50? No, it was someone else. I've sworn it was like a smaller. I don't know. Uh, I know what you're talking about, but I can't. I can't think of the game. I know. It's, I can't remember. <laughs> and maybe it was like something in the 40s. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like like a tenth. It was like a ninth man scoring 40, 50. Yeah. Um, because and it's he like just got hot for three. You know, which you know, and you know, and the. Early 2000s, 90s, 80s, that, that just doesn't happen because you wouldn't even have got the volume. Anyway, um, just some quick thoughts on the plane before we close it out. But anything else? That's all I got, brother. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. I know it was a longer episode today uh, just because we haven't recorded in a while. So 
hope you guys enjoyed the trade talk discussion and everything else that we talked about. And again, hopefully we'll be back with you guys soon. Maybe we'll try and do uh, a Twitter space at, at some point. I'm sure we will for the, the trade deadline if anything happens. And of course, we'll be back to give you the podcast and everything for that. But hopefully before then, we, we have some more dialogue, whether it's through the podcast or through Twitter space. We'll figure it out. But anyway, thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you aren't subscribed, please make sure that you are. Leave us a review. And if you're kind enough, please rate us five star. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.